0: This is Brainwaves.
1: This is Brainwaves. This is Brainwaves. My teacher
0: wishes to Rainwaves. Catch some Brainwaves.
2: This is a podcast. The podcast is about teaching. I mean the best podcast. This is my favorite podcast. I love Brainwaves. You're listening to Brainwaves.
0: Wait, so is it Brainwaves Podcast? The brainwave. Podcast. Wait, no. The Brainwaves Podcast.
2: Brainwaves? We are a Whoever you are, wherever you are, and whenever it is, you're catching some Brainwaves, the podcast aimed at making us all more informed, inspired, and connected educators. Coming to you from the pinnacle point of the professional development office in almost always sunny Longmont, Colorado, I'm Shane Saeed, and sitting next to the one, the only, <laughs> Susie Evans. What's up, Susie? <laughs>
0: we are closing out 2022 as we record this and by the time this drops it'll obviously be a brand new calendar year But what's been on my mind as we've embarked on this podcast adventure is that you know how we all have people we love, but we know we shouldn't sit next to in a meeting or a (laughs) classroom because we have too much fun, except for a thousand percent, you are one of those people for me. So this has been tricky to get recordings done when we're having so much fun.
2: (laughs) I'm not shocked. The report card feedback I would always get as a kid in elementary school was that I could and would talk to (laughs) anyone sitting at my table. It's fortunate that we get anything done. Since we're trying to stay on task, what learning are we embarking on this week's podcast adventure?
0: So the last episode, we talked about finding our community and our village as educators, but this week we wanted to shift our focus to relationship building inside the classroom and talk about how we can really
2: connect with our students on a day-to-day basis. You know, I agree with every sentiment. Relationships are the foundation of everything we do in the classroom. In 2020, I was approached by Jimmy Cassis to write a book, and when he asked what I wanted to write about, I said relationships. We are all told how important relationships are, but we're never explicitly given the tools to put theory into practice. In my book, which is called Be the Flame, I work to align theory with practices by outlining ideas and activities to support relationship building in the classroom. In short, relationships are really important to me. With that, I know we have a couple of very special guests this week to talk relationships and community building. Drumroll Susie, who is our first guest.
0: Today, we are continuing to build up our Brainwaves community and network, as we discussed in the last episode, and are speaking with the amazing Clint Pulver. Clint is an Emmy Award-winning speaker whose understanding of building a sense of ownership and developing a successful culture is something that we can all aspire to in our classroom environments.
2: I am thrilled about this interview. I had the opportunity to see Clint do a keynote speech at a conference this summer and left his keynote speech not only feeling inspired but validated for my personal emphasis on the importance of building relationships.
0: Absolutely. I tore through his book which is called I Love It Here over the Thanksgiving break and even though it's primarily targeting the business world in my mind I just kept substituting the word teacher where he referred to managers and the word students for employees and the classroom for the workplace and his messages regarding connections trust and empathy about believing in and communicating the worth of the people in your care are some of the most important messages that educators can embrace.
2: It's funny. I think I've read almost as many business books that correlate to education as I have educational professional development. There's always something that's similar or a similar thread that applies to both business and education. So let's get into it welcome to brainwaves clint we're delighted to have you here and would you mind kicking us off by telling us a little bit more about yourself and your work
1: yeah so my name's clint pulver and uh man i traveled the world as a as a keynote speaker for the last oh, almost six years now i've traveled as the undercover millennial it's kind of like undercover boss without the makeup uh i'd go undercover into districts and organizations as someone who was looking for a job and we kind of found these unscripted truths behind how teachers and administrators were creating classrooms and organizations and districts and schools that people never wanted to leave and so I spent a lot of my time traveling the world speaking to educators and working with school districts all over the country and helping them to create an environment that that people in education don't just survive but they can actually thrive in and I love that and it's been a it's been a it's been a great ride. I've been a professional drummer for 24 years now. And uh, yeah, music is a big part of my life. And my life was majorly changed because a teacher handed me a pair of drumsticks when I was early, early in my years of education and totally created a moment that changed my life forever. So, and I'm a husband and a father and just, yeah, a lover of life and lucky to do what I do.
0: Oh, I love that. And I think I want to pick out this one phrase that you mentioned just Beyond survival, because again, after COVID, right? We, I think, it's so important for us to emphasize moving out of just survival mode. That that's not sustainable. That's not, you know, every anyone's dream. Oh, when I grow up, I want to be in a job where I, I'm surviving <laughs> every day. We want to create environments where where we want to thrive, not just survive. So, Clint, why do you think you're asked to speak so often at? educational conferences, given that you really are known for your work in the business world?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it stems from the, the 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 Mr. Jensen story about the teacher that changed my life with a pair of drumsticks. That's definitely a part of it. But I think a lot of it is is because in the keynote, I, um, it's an experience, not a keynote. It allows educators to see influence. And I think sometimes in education, we don't always get to see that you know, you love the child while you have them for that year in your class or for that, that certain period of time, and then they move on. And sometimes you don't get the thank yous. You don't get the student coming back year after year saying, you changed my life. And and just because you don't hear that as an educator doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. And in the, in the program, I tell the story about the teacher that changed my life in third person. So the audience has no idea that I'm the kid in the story.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I reveal that I am. And then we reveal the drum set and i sit down and i i i play and they get to see my goodness look at the influence they get to see that and again i think it's a reminder that just because you don't see it every day in education doesn't mean that it doesn't happen and it matters and it does happen and so i think that's the power in in what the educators love to see and experience during the during the show
2: and i can attest to that actually having seen you keynote and speak at a conference this past summer. And it was incredible. Uh, And my favorite part was you drumming to death leopard. Um, Well, you know, favorite part entertainment wise, but the content that you were saying every, I just, I felt myself nodding along with you and just going, yes, exactly. Relationships are key to knowing, helping students be able to see the greatness within themselves, right? We are the calibrators in their world for a large amount of time, especially when we have them during the school year, we almost spend more time with them than their family does. Mm-hmm. And so it is just, it it is incredible watching you speak about this content. So like I said, I can, I can personally attest to how wonderful your keynote is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you. I love it. I love it. And I, I think it's, it's one thing to just be a presenter. It's another thing to really believe in your message and, and love what you do. And it, it's affected me in my life to literally every degree, and so to get up there and to share that is always just an honor and something I never take for granted, so thank you.
2: Of course, and then you, in your presentation, in your keynote, and then also in your book, uh, you talk about the four types of teachers. Um, mm-hmm. For our listeners who haven't yet read the book or haven't seen you speak, can you talk a little bit more about the four types of teachers?
1: Yeah, so these four types of teachers, they exist in every single district. doesn't matter how awesome the district is, uh, they they are there, Um, we would always evaluate these four different types of teachers based off of two things. The standards they would have in the classroom, and second, their ability to connect with the students. Mm -hmm. So standards would be a good example of like classroom management, curriculum, developing a student, performance. Those are standards we have in education. The connection side is kind of the intangibles, the things we can't trace, making sure a student's seen, they're heard, they're understood. And so those are the two variables that we use and 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 kind of the metrics that we um, operate in to to evaluate the 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 what's the right word the the solution or the outcome of what these teachers created in the lives of their students. So the first teacher is the removed educator. So this was the teacher that was really low on standards and also low on ed, on on connection. So this is the educator. They're just burnt out. They're tired. They're removed. They're so tired and they're kind of in the school, but they're not into it. And so what does this create in the classroom experience? Disengagement. So the students become removed as well. Like you're just one of the many teachers in their lives. Like you're just kind of you're there like you're one of those teachers that I I look back on my career and there's many teachers. I don't even remember their names because they didn't remember my name. Like they just were removed from the experience. The second teacher is the buddy teacher. This is the teacher that's really high on connection, low on standards. So this is the teacher that wants to be everybody's friend. They just want everybody to be loved. We love you. We love you in this school. I love you in my class. They would rather be liked more than they're respected. They don't want to ruffle feathers. Like, oh, I just don't, I don't, I don't want your parents yelling at me. I don't want any drama. I, I, you know, I don't really care if you turn your homework in. I, I just want you to love me. And so what does this create in the classroom? It creates entitlement as a sense of where where almost the, the students become more of the teacher in the class than the teacher does because the teacher's just a homie. The teacher's just one of the students almost. The the third educator is the controller. So this is the teacher that's really high on standards, low on connection. So this is the teacher that has kind of that old command and control model of leadership and, and teaching. It's that put your head down, go to work. Like, I, I'm not here to be your friend. Yeah, a smile. You're going to get more homework tomorrow. Smile. <laughs> it's this uh, authoritative way of running a classroom where there's no connection. It's just all about development and test scores and performance and curriculum. And I'm in charge. And so what does this create in the classroom dynamic? Rebellion. This is where uh, it's it's a teacher-student relationship and they're constantly going head to head.
0: Yeah, power struggle.
1: Yeah, you got it. And then the last one, this was really the magic, and I call them the mentor-educator. This is the teacher that's really high on standards, but they were also equally as high on their ability to connect. And what did this create in the classroom? Respect. The teacher was not always liked at times, but they were respected because they became the mentor in the story, not just the educator. Mentorship is really unique because mentorship had to be chosen. All of us in education we have positions. You're the science teacher, you're the PE teacher, you're the English teacher, you're the aide, you're the counselor, you're the you're the principal. Like we give titles all the time. But your students are the ones that choose you as the mentor. You cannot become the mentor in education until the mentee, the student invites you into their heart. And so these educators that we saw in our undercover research the ones that really understood that the point that no significant learning will ever happen without significant connection. That I've got to get to the part about, about the kid. And when you do that, then we can uphold standards. Then we can talk about grades and performance. It's kind of like that bank account principle, right? Every day in the mm-hmm. class, you're making the deposits of trust. And that allows you then to hopefully make some withdrawals the problem is when we try to make withdrawals and you've made no deposits of trust so the bank account is empty right and and so that's kind of a good uh you know a basis on those four different types of educators and i think a lot of teachers and even administrators listen to that and they go i'm all four in one day <laughs> you know right. then what and and i think we do we have different periods and moments of in our careers in education where we cycle through those four different types of educators But the goal is to always strive to be that mentor. And when you can be the person that people choose you, they like themselves best because they're with you. That's what wins in education. That's what gets remembered. Um, And I'm a testament to an educator that did that really well in my life.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love that. And I just... I'm listening and I'm thinking about even I'm going backwards almost to the business world. Like it's it's the soft skills, quote unquote, right, that people sometimes dismiss, but they're not just soft skills, they're essential skills. And if we don't build on that community, if we don't invest in students, like you said, and make daily deposits, then we don't have the ability to address the standards in a real way because we don't have a connection. And so I just that is also important. And it builds so perfectly on our last episode, which is teachers needing that community building as well. But then we really wanted to bring it down to the classroom level. So, I mean, one of my favorite quotes in your book was great teachers don't cover material. They uncover it. It just that gave me all the goosebumps. and. I think you can't do that. You can't help students uncover material unless you've made those connections and those deposits and you've inspired them to want to uncover it with you. So can you talk a little tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, in all the interviews that we did and we conducted undercover research for, I never once had a student say, you know, I just love Miss Betty because she she's just the best at classroom management. <laughs> He's so good at grading my papers. I just love the red marks. That's not what they talk about. They talk about the moments when the educator got to the part about them. They talked about the moments where, you know, they were having a bad day and that teacher uh, took them on a walk during recess. Or or that teacher sat down and just made something special for them or created an, an opportunity or sat down with them and said, hey, I just want you to know, like, I see all of these things in you. And I just want you to tell you, tell you this week, I want you, I want to tell you five things that I saw that you did that made our class better. Like that's what kids remember. We don't remember days. We remember moments. I don't remember curriculum. I remember moments.
2: Definitely. Well, and so what you were just saying reminds me kind of coming back to the analogy of um, banking, right? I love analogies, metaphors. It helps us make connections in our brains Um, and putting in the work ahead of time with connection, as you said, creates uh, deposits in so that you can make withdrawals. And then if we're talking about stocks, then additionally, it pays out dividends in the end. So when teachers say, I don't have time to do the connection building that you want me to do, we're saying it's going to pay out later in the year when you do need to push, when you do need to hold that student to high expectations and standards. And a lot of what you write about in your research really aligns even with culturally responsive practices and being the warm demander. So making sure that, you know, you have that high connection, but you're keeping the same high expectations for students as well. And how important it is that we have both so that, as you said, students remember moments. Um, they remember, is it Maya Angelou that says, uh, Students might not remember what you teach them, but they certainly will remember how you make them feel. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And we, if we want them to continue to have a great experience in education and buy into education is valuable, we need to also make sure that they connect to it and connect to us.
1: Yeah, because you 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 become the advocator in the story, not just the developer. When that happens, yes. And so when it, when a student feels like they're being advocated for, not just pushed. or not just demanded of, or just, uh, I don't know what what what's just ragged on. Like, and it happens Mm -hmm. sometimes in education, like, give me a break, like, stop. Like that's when you're, you're you're just the teacher. You're one of the teachers when you're the advocator, when you're the mentor Mm -hmm. and and it's coming from a place of like, again, loyalty, connection, buy-in moments. You're the person that's here to help me live my dreams, not just, push me to hand my homework in there's a difference yeah there's a difference yeah
0: absolutely like thought partnering with students versus just always being the sage on the stage in the room which brings me to one of my other favorite quotes which was you may be the most knowledgeable person in the room, but if the members of your team can't translate your knowledge into action, it means nothing. And that was my other goosebump moment because it's really defines the essential shift we need to make from that old school, teachers always in the front and knows everything, all knowing to more of the guide on the side and teachers truly giving ownership to their students. And as you mentioned it's more than being just about a good leader. It's actually our responsibility to make that shift.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to, again, how do people experience you? And how do they experience themselves when they're with you? That's a resounding theme that I think every teacher needs to think about, not just when the, with the teacher and student relationship, but also the teacher-to-teacher relationship. That was a huge part of our research as well, because the number one factor that kept a teacher in the classroom was always the student, always that I'm here for the kids. The second contributing factor was peer-to-peer collaboration, mm. peer-to-peer support. When another teacher liked themselves best because of another teacher, great mentors, great Mr. Jensen's, You know, my teacher that changed my life. He was just a ripple effect of many other mentors that mentored him along his educational career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jim Rohn was the one that coined the phrase if you, you become the average of the five people you associate with most, I would say in education, you become the average of the three teachers you associate with most in the faculty room. I grew up I grew up kind of on a farm and I learned if you put a hard to catch horse in a field with an easy to catch horse, you usually end up with 2 hard to catch horses. <laughs> and the same thing happens many times in education. You'll see a bright, young, vibrant student teacher, right out out of student teaching, get the first job, they're so excited. First day of school, they waltz into the faculty room and they're like, let's go. And then there on the wall are all the veterans, all of the older teachers and everyone's like, keep it down.
0: (laughs) Dial it down.
1: (laughs) You know what they pay us here? And like, I I don't know, there's, there's sometimes, like let's be honest for a minute here, there's sometimes toxicity in education and there are those burnt out, removed, teachers that just have lost that spark. They've lost that purpose. And so I think it's also important to, as a, as a teacher to ask yourself, who am I hanging with? Who am I associating with most? Because you also know in your district who the movers and the shakers are, who are the legends, the incredible teachers. And if you know who they are, in my opinion, you should do whatever it takes to associate with them because it will light a fire in your story of education that will that will propel you to be like them, uh, to be like the people that changed your life. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be the teacher you wish you had. Be the teacher that you were lucky enough to have in your life. That is that is more relevant, meaningful, and for me, just purposeful. I want to be that for other people because those individuals were the same for me.
2: That I mean, incredible and you've really tapped into what our previous episode was all about on finding your village and finding your community within education. And um, as Jennifer Gonzalez talks about on Cult of Pedagogy, she calls them your marigolds. So the people that help you grow and um, are there to help nurture you as an, an educator and a practitioner. So just knowing then that uh, high levels of connection and trust is the foundation to engagement, not only with Students, but also with our peers, um can you highlight some high leverage ways that teachers can build trust with students? I know you already touched on uh, like a culture of recognition, but what are some what are some like tangible things that teachers can say I can do that tomorrow
1: yeah i think I think first off i I, I talk about you know the busyness of the teaching life that I, I think educators are some of the the busiest human beings on the planet like I don't know if any profession that just knows how to stack and stack and stack and stack and stack and say yes 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 to everything to the point where you burn out you're so tired you're so stressed you've got so much going on that the thought of even taking the time to connect with the kid is is just not on the radar for for some educators mm-hmm. because we're so busy so my first tangible piece that i would give is instead of writing a to-do list we're all experts at the to-do list i would advocate for this this year the power of a to-don't list. Oh, fascinating. A to-don't list. You're really good at the to-dos. Add a few to-don'ts because the good educators, you always know what you need to do in education. You know. You know how to decorate the classroom. You know the curriculum. You know when the faculty meetings are. Like, you know what you need to do. The most significant educators were masterful at the things they needed to stop doing. So we talk about this relationship thing with kids. Well, first off, you've got to create the time to where you can do that. And again, sometimes we're so busy that we just can't, or we don't have the time, or we just or the mental capacity to do so. I, I think Da Vinci said it the best. He said that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication.
0: Mm, and I
1: think definitely. we need a little bit more of that mm-hmm. in in education. The last thing I would say is I look at Mr. Jensen and the, re- the, the the important thing that he did in my life. Um, it was really the drumsticks, but the, the drumsticks that he gave me represented two things. They represented potential and worth, potential and worth. So how do we do that? How do we communicate a child's potential? And how do you communicate their worth? Well, I'm a proponent of moments. So something tangible that you could do, you could find a child in your classroom that you're struggling with, a kid that you just haven't had the chance to connect with. Sit down with them, create a moment, have them stay after class. Maybe it's in, and you sit down at lunch or just create a moment where you can have a little bit of one-on-one time with that child and then tell them two things. Number one, tell them as an educator, as their teacher, what you see when you look at them. And second, tell them what you see them becoming in their life. I know it sounds so rudimentary. It sounds so simple. But, but I don't know how many students have that moment with an educator where somebody sat down and said, hey, listen, I just I need to tell you, I need to communicate your worth to me, to this classroom, to, to our school, and I also want you to know your potential. I want, I want you to know what I see you becoming in your life. That's a little moment. Some teachers do it on note cards. Some teachers do it one on one. Some teachers are really good at sending an email home to mom and dad, communicating those two things. They hit it from two angles, right? Mm-hmm. Then mom and dad go, "My God, my goodness, this is, look what look what Mrs. Williams wrote, and 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 look what 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 Mr. Francis said." And it, it, those are moments where kids go, "I'm seen, and I'm not just seen, but I'm also believed in." That is powerful and and that that's what i'm talking that's a little deposit of trust so when that kid looks at you he's not just seeing the teacher that's demanding things he's seeing the mentor that believes in him and the the potential that he or she has that's 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 what it's about that's what they remember
0: oh my gosh it's it is so simple you're right and, but it's so powerful and students don't forget the teachers that make those connections with them i mean I can't recommend your book enough because really the message is that mentors connect people to their dreams is, is over and over in your book. And so, you know, as we wrap up with you, I just, I do want to give such a shout out to it. It's called, I love it here. If you didn't listen to our intro before everyone, but it really, I can't say anything more true about teachers and their responsibility is to connect students to their dreams.
1: Totally. And, and, and to be remembered as a piece of that, right? To be a part of that, you know, we all hold the pen and we get to write a story every single day. And I think the best teachers are, are beautiful storytellers, not in the stories they tell, but in the stories that they help others write. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it's not about being the best teacher with students. It's about being the best teacher for your students. How do we live this life of significance in education? not just a life of success and being that bright spot in someone's life that because of you, they lived better. They became something more and there's no worthier cause. There's no greater calling than that of a teacher. So
2: that was powerful. What a great way to like wrap up our interview with you. Right. (laughs) I think both of us are a little speechless. It
0: is. I think your subtitle for your book should be like
2: goosebumps here.
1: (laughs) I'll send that to the editor. I'll okay, let them good. Come.
2: <laughs> nice. Well, Clint, we appreciate you being here and talking with us today. We'd love for you to plug any new work that you're working on, your book again, and then also let the listeners know where can they connect with you.
1: Yeah, I, my, my website, clintpulver.com is always a great place. And then Instagram, I had all the social media handles, LinkedIn, all the places. And happy to connect with, with anybody at any time. And just yeah and, and thank you for buying the book checking the book out and reading it and it is kind of a business book but it's written and tailored it can everything can be applied to whether you're a mother a father a teacher a spouse a part whatever it's all about creating a place in an, an, a, in a classroom an organization an environment where people don't want to leave that how do we do that more and so yeah check it out and thank you to you both for your time and reaching out and letting me be a part of this it means a lot
0: Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. So like I said, literal goosebumps here. I really do believe that should be the subtitle of his book.
2: Oh my gosh. I wish you all could see our faces and the giddiness that we are feeling when he said, oh, Susie, what did he say? You cannot become the mentor in education until the mentee or the student invites you into their heart. My jaw dropped. It was amazing. It's so true. We can teach all we want, but learning is a two-way street, and students mistrust us to make the most of our time together.
0: That was one of my favorite quotes for sure. And then his emphasis on little moments is what I really want to highlight so it feels tangible and realistic for teachers to accomplish. Just think about those little daily deposits you can make with your students So when you do go to withdraw from the bank, it's full. Yes,
2: and I totally appreciated his tangible ideas of things like leaving a note, speaking with students one-on-one, or even better yet, emailing families because they always love to hear what great things their kids are doing. So
0: as we mentioned in our relaunch in January, we are 100% committed to bringing you not just educational giants, but also teachers that are still in the classroom getting it done every day. We are actually going to double down on this and create separate episodes for these amazing teachers. We're calling it Mini Waves because Shane Saeed is the (laughs) cutest, most creative human ever, and frankly, we have found it to be very tricky to schedule multiple guests for the same episode, mostly because, spoiler alert, teachers
2: are really, really busy teaching. Yeah, uh, shocking. Teachers busy? (laughs) We'd never heard of that before. So I can't take all the credit for the Mini Waves. I might have been inspired by some of the true crime podcasts that I listen to and their hometown mini shows. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we're so excited about this new format and know that it'll allow us to bring double the content to your earbuds. So let's close up shop. Susie, what'd you learn? So many takeaways for me today, starting
0: with Clint's philosophy that we can have high expectations, and be relationship focused at the same time it's not one or the other which will bring us very soon to our next mini episode where we chat with some classroom educators that are modeling this relationship-based teaching in our district so essentially when in doubt connect 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 make deposits because students that are strongly connected with their teacher are inspired to succeed and
2: reach their full potential Don't forget, reach out and connect with us. Tag us in a tweet or a story on Instagram about what you liked or learned from the podcast episode.